Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Good Thursday afternoon, just five days. Count them on one hand now. Five days until Christmas. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad with you this afternoon at Sports Talk Mississippi. Brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank, and it's really good to be with you. We've got poinsettias around the office right now. Those just in the building here inside baseball. We're inside of a big office building. We just have a wing of it. In the big part of the building, there's been poinsettias for the last few weeks, but today they're scattered around the office. It's a nice touch. Counting down the days until Christmas, hopefully you have your shopping done. And hey, Dad, I don't mean to put you on the spot here. Do you have all your Christmas shopping done? I do. And it's all uh, either shipped or shipping, one of the two. Amazon is a beautiful thing. And, And you should shop local if you can. I understand that. You should. But being able to do all of my Christmas shopping sitting on the couch on my phone and have it all delivered to my office two days later is a really nice thing. Like not having to brave the mall and and do all that stuff, which I'm still somehow being dragged into that this weekend. I don't know how that happened. I I know how it happened. (laughs) Like, I mean, all you have to do is just go to Amazon.com and type in whatever you want and hit order and it shows up to your front porch. But... I guess that's my life now. That's your life now. Congrats. Welcome. The support meeting is at the bar. (laughs) I might meet you there. It's good to be with you on this Thursday afternoon, a day after National Signing Day. And yeah, we've got another one in February, and we're going to do something for that as well. But for all intents and purposes, National Signing Day was yesterday. We've had about 24 hours to sit on it, digest it, and formulate some reactions. So we'll start on the Mississippi State side because that's really your area of focus anyway. Hey, Dad. 24 hours out. It's a silly question, but are Mississippi State fans happy with the signing class in a general I sense? Think, I think so. Yeah, especially when you talk about in a general sense. I, I would definitely uh, think that, especially, you know, when you, you, you got some – when you get your your quarterback and you get a couple other uh, big players, I did a poll today on uh, on Twitter. Uh, it said grade the class. I said A, B, C, D, and then the last option was D or F. I think because you can only do four options. Seventy four percent out of a thousand eighty votes at this moment say B. Eleven percent say A. Eleven percent say C. And then four percent just can't be happy. I guess because Kayvon Thibodeau and Nolan Smith and Jaden Hazelwood didn't sign with uh, Mississippi State yesterday. Those are all three of the top recruits in the country, if you're unaware. Uh, They gave D or F. So 
by and large, I mean, you're willing to say 85% are saying it's an A or B class. I think that that, that would say, go very far saying, yes, the fan base is happy with what they saw yesterday. Yeah, B's pretty fair because, and we'll get into this more maybe later on, maybe now. Um, there are some high-profile guys that left the state of Mississippi. Uh, yeah. Half of the top 20 are, are going to play college football, or it, at least they're not going to be playing college football in the state of Mississippi next year. There's one that's probably going to be playing baseball. He is an Ole Miss commit, will potentially sign in February. But half of the top 20 left the state of Mississippi. That is not good. But for some perspective, like you said, Mississippi State signed an elite defensive back. They signed a very high-profile quarterback. And they have a top 25 class. So B's pretty solid. The, The curious thing for me is the discrepancy. I mean, so correct me if I'm wrong here. 23 on Rivals, they're, what, 18, 19 on 24-7? Yeah. And, like, 13 on ESPN. Something yeah, like that. ESPN's, ESPN's rankings are have never been great through the years, going, going back a long ways, going back to the days when Scout was still viable, back when Rivals had a Mississippi State presence. ESPN was something you just – you didn't really take a whole lot of stock in their, uh, in, in their rankings. So, just for me, anyway. Yeah. But they just don't seem to have the resources, or at least they don't invest the resources into covering recruiting like the other two do. Right. Yeah. So, this class for Mississippi State, I think, you know, you said B is fair. I think if you could have gotten your, your, your two big dogs, Pickering and Charles Moore, to sign early, this would have been an easy A. And it, it has a chance to be an A when it's all said and done. If those two guys, you know, follow through, and I think that they will. And you get a couple of more, you know, people, people, you know, between now and February 6th, it should, should be, it's going to be close to an eight. I mean, it's going to 16th. That's as good as Mullen ever did, if not better, just off the top of my head. So there's a, there's a chance this could be MSU's highest rated class in well over a decade. Barry and Laurel text us. And by the way, you can too. 601-879-4395 if you want to be a part of the show this afternoon. That's the C Spire text line. C Spire encourages you, though. Uh, to not text and drive, do so safely, but we would love for you to be a part of the show. 601-879-4395. Barry uh, asks you, what does what do you think if Wes Jones, the defensive lineman, flips from Alabama to state? Is that possible? Possible. I mean, he, he is another one of these players in the state that decided to uh, hold out until February. Uh, they, they all made great relationships down there at the MSL, MSAL game. They have a... Uh, they, you know, they have a long-standing relationship. Those guys know each other from camps, from you know the Dandy Dozen shoot. I mean, they, they have those relationships. So, I mean, I know that that's going to be a priority not only for you know Joe Moorhead, but the players in the class, guys like Pickering and Jerry and Jones. They're going to be working Byron Young, Jerrion Ely, Jonathan Mingo, those guys that are committed to other programs currently and trying to get them to flip and come to Starkville. Tell me about this quarterback. I, I'm curious about the quarterback position for Mississippi State this year because – they entered into the Kelly Bryant sweepstakes. He ended up going to Missouri. Yeah. And we kind of came to the conclusion, although nobody at Mississippi State has told me this, uh, I, I am just guessing via context, that they aren't necessarily sold on KT being the guy, or at least they thought that they could go find better. Yeah. They ended up not doing that, and Justin Fields is still out there. But right. is this a guy that, I mean, he's coming to do bowl practice, so he's going to have almost an entire, I mean, really an entire offseason under his belt going into his freshman mm-hmm. year. 
possible instant impact quarterback, or is or is that yeah. going way ahead of myself here? I think you're ahead of yourself there, Michael. I, I just don't see him being able to beat out Keaton Thompson and Jalen Maiden, who you know people forget about, who's a highly touted four star guy that State signed last year. I, I don't see him coming in and doing that. Now he's definitely the quarterback of the future, and I wouldn't be totally surprised if he, you know, after Keaton is done in 2020, if he gets ahead of Maiden. But for him to come in, especially this year, and take the job from Keaton, you know, with 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 Keaton. This will be – he'll have two full seasons with Joe Moorhead by the time we kick off, you know, uh, at the, the end of August, beginning of September. So I, I, I think he'll – I think you're going to see a big step forward from him next season. Uh, if you I mean, if you don't see it early, yeah, they might make a change to Maiden. And if Schrader comes in and, and you know, can be what Joe Moorhead wants him to be, I mean, there's, a, there's an opportunity there. But for me, I, I don't – I see him, you know, as the guy who will redshirt next season and try to be the QB of the future, you know, hopefully can start 20 – starting in 20 – it's so weird to talk about these years, by the way, 2020. <laughs> That's a real year. It's only, two, it's only you know, basically a year away. Uh, but, yeah, 2020, 2021, 2022, you hope that he's your starter. Uh, with your Joe Moorhead, I think. Yeah, they got to replace a lot on defense, obviously, and, and we'll get – Jeffrey Simmons, which is a surprise to nobody, declared for the NFL draft today. More on that in a little bit. That's the story of the offseason, right? Is who replaces Nick Fitzgerald? Because is are they just handing the keys over to Keaton Thompson, or will there be an actual battle? Oh, there'll be a competition, but I mean, I think it's Keaton jo- Keaton's job to lose. I think that he will go into the offseason. He'll go into spring practice as QB1. And I think it would take more of him not showing that he's not ready than Jalen Maiden playing particularly, you know, above his head or something like that. I think Keaton would have to go out and just practice after practice show you that he's not the guy for him to lose that job. I think, but I don't think that's going to be the case. I think Keaton's going to go out there. You know what Keaton can give you in the running game? He's going to be, you know, as effective, he can be as effective as Nick Fitzgerald was. Uh, I don't know that he'll be the all-time leading rusher in SEC history when he has, his career is over, but he can give you the same similar things in the running game that uh, that Keaton Thompson or that Nick Fitzgerald does. It's just what he's going to be able to do as a passer. Can he be an improvement on what Nick Fitzgerald was this season, and specifically, can he be an improvement? on what Nick Fitzgerald was the final five games of the season when he was completing close to 60% of his passes and he threw 12 touchdowns to no interceptions. Is there anything – there's like, what, one or two records that Fitzgerald can still break here if he has a pretty decent bowl game? Yeah, I I don't know him off the top of my head, but there's some some opportunities there. He can finish his career – I don't know how many yards he needs to get, but he can get over 10,000 all-purpose yards for his career uh, with a good bowl game. That's incredible, especially because he was – the Post guy deck. after the guy. Yeah. Yes, the guy after the guy, which you never want to be. Uh, we'll get to your text. Uh, we'll talk about Jeffrey Simmons, who did declare for the NFL draft, and some recruiting stats involving the SEC that are not surprising at all, but at the same time, blow my mind. We'll get to that next. It's Sports Talk in the Renaissance Bank Studio. It was a surprise to nobody, but Jeffrey Simmons, the Mississippi State defensive tackle, did declare for the NFL draft today. It was a matter of when and not if, but the official word came down from Mississippi State today, and Simmons is NFL bound. Likely, well, not likely, going to be in the first round, 
yeah. likely a top 15, top 10 pick. So, I mean, what's your reaction to that? Obviously, you expected it, but still, it's Mississippi State is losing their potentially their best defender. I would say like this, you know, when Simmons was signed back in the uh, back in February of 2016, you know, for me, when you sign a five-star player, a true five-star, you know, no questions of ass player, man, I don't expect them there for for more than three years. Those are the guys you expect to be early entry candidates. The the Jeffrey Simmons, the AJ Brown, um, you know, so on and so forth. And you see it's, it in recruiting now. I mean, I saw it all day yeah. yesterday. For the Taking next three or four for the next years, three years, yeah. <laughs> it's I mean, it's, come on. You know, it's it's a surprise when somebody when you sign a guy like Bernardrick McKinney or, or or something like that who you know will sign as a three star and nobody really knew anything about him and then all of a sudden he's the best linebacker in the SEC a couple of years later. That's the that's the ones that are surprised. You sign a five star guy and he's still there as a senior. You know, he, he either he's really committed to your program or something didn't didn't go right for him. So for Simmons, you know, this is sort of the culmination of all that and and we all knew that it was coming and it was just a question of when would he wait till after the bowl. And uh, you know he he put out a message out on uh, on social media today. If, if you want to check that out, I know it's uh, it's available on Twitter and on YouTube, where he basically read off a letter that he had written, thanking um you know he was very uh, humble and thanking Mississippi State and Scott Strickland and then you know Dr. Keenum for for allowing him into the university for giving him that second chance. And he said he felt like he had made the most of it. And I don't see how anybody can disagree with that statement that given a second chance, Jeffrey Simmons did everything he could possibly do to make right by that. And he is, I mean, John Harris, who's been involved in the scouting side of the NFL world. Now he loves Simmons. He loves him. And and he said himself, he's going to have to answer some questions, but if he answers them appropriately and if he hires any agent that is worth anything at all, he will be. Um, yeah, he'll get through those and be a top fifteen pick. Whoever needs a defensive tackle is going to get one and going to get a really, really, really good one. John had a great quote about him when we talked to him a few months ago. He said, "With Simmons, he said I could take him right now and put him in an NFL locker room and nobody would question it." He said he just he looks like an NFL player now. So what's he going to look like in a couple of years? Yeah. I mean, I think he's just going to be that next great MSU defensive lineman in the same group with, with Chris Jones and, and, and Fletcher Cox and, and Preston Smith and, and the rest of them. And, you know, he's probably a few years away. He's going to get a nice payday this, this, uh, this spring. And in two, three years after that, he'll turn that into a monster payday uh, and, and one of those, you know, big 50 to $100 million contracts. Jerry in Brookhaven wants us to look uh, a year back. He, he texts the show, you can too, 601-879-4395, about some of the Mississippi State players in last year's signing class who were redshirted, uh, who yeah. you expect to go from didn't touch the field, with the exception of four games, if they took advantage of that rule, to contributors. Yeah, you look at State's class last year, the only two guys who uh... – or three guys. Three guys did not redshirt. Marcus Murphy, who actually got a lot of quality playing time. Devontae Jason, who didn't play much more than special teams. And I, I'm still not entirely sure why he, he didn't redshirt, but he didn't. And then the uh, kicker, Scott Goodman, who was the kickoff guy for State all year. He did a fantastic job. You know, looking ahead to next season, uh, obviously on the defensive line, would you lose Sweat, you lose Simmons, you lose Corey Thomas and Braxton Hoyette and Gary Green. So you want to look at guys like Jaden Crumbity and Fabian Lovett. They're going to have opportunities uh, to, to be part of the, the two deep. And, and I would imagine 
you know, if you said, Brian, give me the starting four for the defensive line next year, I feel pretty good saying Chauncey, for, Chauncey Rivers and Kobe Jones are at the end and Lee Autry's at one tackle, but I don't really have a good feel for who that second tackle is going to be. So Lovett is going to have an opportunity there. And I think Crumity has moved inside as well, so he'll have that chance as well. Um, beyond that, you know, I, I'm in, I was interested. I saw them in, in, in fall camp, Brad Cumbus and Jocrevia Spivey at the tight end position. State's tight ends, are they're just – they're just sort of pedestrian this past year. They, they didn't do really anything special. And those guys are bigger, faster athletes than what MSU was putting out there this year. So they could be players to watch next season. Uh, Aaron Brule and uh, Nathaniel Watson, Jet Johnson, those are guys who will provide some depth at linebacker behind Lewis Gay and, and Thompson. Uh, and then on the offensive side of the ball, I think you'll see uh, Kutravius Johnson, or as he's more affectionately known, Dollar Bill, uh, make his way into the rotation. <laughs> what a great nickname, right? Uh, he'll make his way into the rotation at, at, at one of the tackles, I would imagine. You know, four-star guy was easily the most highly rated uh, lineman State had signed prior to this past signing class when they got Charles Cross, who was even more highly rated. So State's got a couple of, of young tackles they should be very excited about. Uh, so, yeah, there, there's, there's definitely some, some opportunities there, especially, like I said, on the defensive line. Uh, another text asking where Richard is. Man. Uh, he's just taking some time off on the holidays, and uh, because Haydad and I aren't Richard, we don't get any time off. We, we, don't, we don't get to do those. Kind <laughs> we of we cool have to things. slum it over here for three hours for the next couple of <laughs> afternoons. It's just a rough life he and I live. But uh, yeah, he's just taking some time off, uh, enjoying the holidays with his family. Uh, with the exception of Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, We'll have a best of show for you on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. It's a really cool thing we're doing. I'm excited about it. In years past, we've just done Christmas music, which is nice. Uh, but this year's a little bit different. Steve Azar is actually hosting 24 hours of Christmas music. He's going to be like, uh, like a radio DJ, except for he's going to play his own music too. And there will be interviews incorporated with that as well. So you'll hear some original Steve Azar, some Steve Azar, Steve Azar Christmas some interviews mixed in, and he'll be spinning the records all day on Christmas Day. Otherwise, we will be live. We'll be live on New Year's Eve, on New Year's Day. We're not missing a beat, with the exception of those couple of days for Christmas. So uh, we hope you'll bear with us on those two days, but we'll be back and fired up, getting you ready for Mississippi State's bowl game, the college football playoff, the end of the NFL season coming down, and uh, a whole lot more. So just... uh, just a short little break for, for us here at Sports Talk and uh, looking forward to, to getting back into it um, next week, of course. But anyway, this is something I promised you in the last segment. This kind of blows my mind. It shouldn't, but it does. So according to Rivals, just the service that I used to get these numbers, it varies somewhat, but the point still stands. The SEC had the top four classes in the country. 11 of the top 24 classes in the country. They signed 14 five-stars yesterday. Remember, there's only about 30 in a given year. They signed 14 five-stars yesterday. The ACC signed three. The Big Ten signed three. The Big 12 signed three, and the Pac-12 signed one. Yeah, the SEC signed more five-star players than the other Power Five conferences combined. It's almost like the best teams in the country play in the SEC. And players seem to seem to have figured that out. I don't, I don't know. I could be wrong. I'm just spitballing here. <laughs> uh, Tom does ask on the text line if Jeffrey Simmons declared. Yes, he did earlier today. But 
it means more as a punchline, and it should be. But, like, I got an email this morning, for example, from an Ole Miss fan who I guess didn't like something I said yesterday about how Ole Miss went 0 for 5 effectively on signing day because he told me to have some perspective. Uh, Ole Miss signed a top 25 class, and if they were in the Pac-12, that would be really good, but they're not, so you guys expletive on it. And that's true, but you're not in the Pac-12, so it doesn't matter. This is the standard that if you want to compete in the SEC, you have to live by. Yeah. And those kind of players aren't accessible in the Pac-12. If you played Arizona State and Washington State and, and Colorado and Arizona every week, then yeah, the players you're signing specifically about Ole Miss because of the email I got, but the the players you're signing would win a lot of those games. But those players aren't accessible to people out there. Colorado doesn't have a half dozen four-star players in it. They maybe have one a year. It sounds like a, a, a debate I used to get into on some message boards when people would say, you know, we're talking about recruiting rankings when states, you know, recruiting rankings weren't great. Oh, well, I mean, look at Boise State's recruiting rankings. They're not great. And I would always counter with the same thing. Well, as soon as MSU can play Boise State's schedule, we can talk about those kind of things. Yeah. When State has to line up against, you know, Utah State and Montana and, uh, you know, whoever, you know, San Diego State instead of Alabama, LSU, and Auburn, we can have that discussion. Until then, you can't have it. You, know, you got to recruit at the SEC standard. Or you, or you just can't get ahead. Yeah. Because it's not slowing down anytime soon. And that's just remarkable. I mean, more five-star players are playing for the SEC than every other conference combined. And it's not slowing down. Not slowing down at all. It's speeding up, if anything. Yeah. Uh, Mississippi State got a, a scrappy basketball win last night against a sneaky good Wofford team. We'll get into that. A bunch of your texts are coming in as well, so we'll get to those. Uh, All coming up right here at Sports Talk in the Renaissance Bank Studio. I got to turn this off. This song annoys me to death. It's Sports Talk Mississippi. I don't know why I keep it in the system. It's the worst Christmas song ever made. It's... That is Christmas on a lot of drugs right there. <laughs> it's awful. Sorry about that. It's, uh, it's Sports Talk. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad with you. We'll get to some of your texts and then into the basketball win for Mississippi State last night. Philip in Ellisville says, I guess we're going to see how good the Mississippi State coaches are at player development. Uh, that is one thing you've got to give Dan Mullen a ton of credit for. He, re- he did recruit well, certainly not poorly, uh, but the ability to elevate under-recruited guys was was kind of the staple of his tenure. He never really recruited at an extremely high level, but he developed them, and now the task is is being handed over to Joe Moorhead. Yeah, I mean, MSU's success is always, and Ole Miss to a certain extent as well, uh, is always going to be defined by like the last 10 guys they sign. If you look at their, their class, who are the, the 10 lowest-rated guys? If you get grab four or five, I mean, they don't have to be superstars, but if they can be solid starters, 
you've done really, really well. You, know, you look back at MSU when they went to number one, that 2014 class. The seeds are in the 2011 class with a bunch of guys that really nobody else wanted. Dak Prescott, Josh Robinson, uh, Bernardrick McKinney, Preston Smith, Tavez Calhoun. Those guys were all Dylan Day, uh, Ben Beckwith. Those guys were all huge pieces to that team. And they, Mississippi State might have been the best offer for all of them other than Prescott who got the late LSU offer. Ethan in Guntown says you got to recruit with your competition in the SEC. If you missed it a little while ago, it was just giving you some numbers on on how much better the SEC is at recruiting than everybody else. And top twenty five classes are, are are good. They're certainly not bad, uh, but the measuring stick should be how you do against your conference. It's easy to sell a top twenty five class to your fans, and and they're going to use that as talking points for the next few weeks and months. But you always got to measure yourself against your conference because that's really what matters. Uh, Jerry says uh, he believes Mississippi State and Ole Miss will both be better in 2019 and wishes all of you a Merry Christmas. I will say this about Ole Miss. Offensively, they're going to be very young, and you'll see about Matt Corral's development, and they have to replace a bunch of wide receivers and some offensive line as well, but I can tell you defensively, they will at least be better coached. They will have a better scheme, and they will be better coached defensively. Uh, you, you can absolutely count on that. And you Barry, don't know that for a fact. Oh, I know that for a fact. <laughs> you don't know that. They, oh. they could go worse. <laughs> I don't know if they could be much worse Who's coached the than they were. Who's the Peter Sermon of offense? <laughs> they could get him. Uh, no, I mean defensively. Defensively, they, they oh, will defensively. be. Yes, they, they will could, be better they, coached they, defensively. You don't need the Peter Sermon of offense. You just get Peter Sermon. <laughs> no, we'll see what McIntyre can do. And yeah. Barry in Grenada. Um Here's what Barry had to say. Before, before you say what Barry had to say, I want all the people who uh, like to, to, to chime in on my Twitter and everything to talk about how much of a rebel I am to listen to this. Go right ahead. <laughs> Barry in Grenada says, has this become the Mississippi State show? I have no problem with you discussing State, but geez, that's the main topic of every show nowadays. Can you recommend a show I can tune in to hear a little bit of Ole Miss news? Rename your show the Mississippi State Worshippers Show. Here's the thing. Barry. We did it! <laughs> well, I have a feeling there are some people on Mississippi State message boards that would think that you are crazy. But here's the thing, Barry. Here's how our show is set up now. I I get to the office about 8 o'clock in the morning, and, and I lay out a plan. I literally lay it out segment by segment what we're going to talk about in a given day. We have Brian Haydad and Brian Scott Rippey who cover Mississippi State and Ole Miss respectively. When Brian Haydad is on the show, that is predominantly what we are going to be talking about. If it's Haydad, it's probably Mississippi State. If it's Rippey, it's probably Ole Miss. So here's what I, I'm going to tell you our plan today. I don't like doing this, but I'm going to tell you our plan and, and today. This week has been sort of hampered by MSU's bowl availability has been early in the evenings. So I ha- I, this is the only hour I can be on the show. Right. And that, so, you know, so if you're so this a, week when you've tuned in, I've been the first guy up. Yeah. So here's our plan for the rest of the day, Barry. For in this segment, I've got this laid out. I do this every day, and, and I even I make notes on changes during the show just so I can make sure that we keep as much balance as humanly possible. There are people that will say we don't do that. I, I promise you, I do that. I've got notes for 18 months worth of shows that. Show at least I'm making an effort to try to be balanced. But this segment, after I'm done here, we'll talk about Mississippi State's win in basketball last night. The next one, we will do... More Bulldogs, God! Uh, we'll look at the New Orleans Saints as Ted Ginn might be coming back to the rotation sooner than a lot of people thought, which is big news. 
And then we will go into a listener of ours, Miles, sent me a couple questions last night about Mississippi recruiting that we're going to respond to. Uh, there's a story about Anthony Davis in the NBA last night will be the next segment in the 4 o'clock hour uh, that at least is somewhat interesting. And then I will play an interview that Hey Dad had with Joe Moorhead because we played Matt Luke yesterday. We did not play Joe Moorhead yesterday, so because we did that, we're going to play Joe Moorhead today. And then we will discuss the halftime show. It's officially announced who is going to be in the halftime show Uh, of the Super Bowl this year. And then at the 5 o'clock hour, we will turn the page to Ole Miss. And everything we've done this hour, it's a carbon copy. We will do the same thing for Ole Miss at the 5 o'clock hour. That is our plan today. It will be almost exactly equal time. So if if you can only listen in 3 o'clock hour, I'm sorry about that. But trust me, today we will cover both. You just happen to be listening right now in the time where we've got Haydad on and we're talking Mississippi State. But your Ole Miss signing day reaction is coming just sit tight and be patient with me, okay? Fair enough. You're talking to me? No. Uh, do I have a choice? <laughs> I don't have. A, I, I guess I do I'm control sort of your here. microphone, so. Yeah, it's true. All right, let's get into it, uh, and this will probably spill over, which is fine. Mississippi State was down at the half by nine to a really scrappy Walford team. I, I hope this isn't offensive. Just a bunch of white kids that can shoot the basketball. And that whole team could shoot the basketball. And they pulled out what will be, I think, down the road, looked at as a better win than what it looked like going into it. That's a good Wofford team they beat last night. Yeah, that's a team that, I, as I said on the Thunder and Lightning podcast, that if, if, if I get a bracket in March and they're a 12 seed, I get them in a 5-12 matchup, who, buddy, I can't wait to bet on that. That's, that, that's going to happen. That's, that's a team that's going to wreck some power teams march madness. I'll get, I'd be almost be willing to guarantee it. Um, and they almost wrecked Mississippi State last night. They came out shooting incredibly hot, shot 60-something percent in the first half and 75% from behind the arc. There were 9 of 12 in the first half was Walford. And then in the second half, it just flipped around, and State was the hot shooting team. They shot 65% in the second half. They caught fire from behind the arc uh, with, with Peters, with Weatherspoon, with Tyson Carter. And uh, went on a 22-5 to run coming out of the locker room uh, to take the lead. And they held on to it the rest of the way. And uh, ended up winning by a final score of 98-87. Interesting note, uh, State was up nine in the closing seconds. And Ben Hallen was exhorting his team to score another bucket. They did. He, and then you saw him go to Wofford's coach, Mike Young, and apologize to him. I asked him about it in postgame. That is because of this new net system. This new ranking system, you get max points, basically, max value when you win by 10, 10 or more. So State need, knew that they needed to win by double digits and had that opportunity. And Hallen very smartly caught that. He did go apologize because it can feel like running up the score a little bit. But it, it, it's, it's interesting to see a coach who understands the system and is basically going to game it if he can. We called that, didn't we? I mean, I guess everybody called it. It wasn't exactly a hot take, but when the net came out, I think it was like we started talking about that right after you got hired here. I think that was one of your first days where, where we got a full breakdown of what the net was. And the second it came out, we were like, this is going to cause teams to run up the score or continue playing in games in which they have a dominating lead because of the point differential quadrant thing they've got going. Yeah, and they have I to do. You're going to see some some possessions that normally the team would just run out the clock up eight, up nine, and they're going to try to uh, to get that last bucket if they can. So, 
I noticed this. Eight eight guys played for Mississippi State, but really it was a seven-man rotation. Is that something that you expect in the closer games in SEC play? It seems like that's not a whole lot of depth there, but if it yeah. works, it works. If it works, it works. I mean, outside of the, the guys who played last night, the only one who's done a lot of playing uh, this season is Keyshawn Fazell. And I think last night would have been a bad matchup against a team that's you know working a lot off the perimeter. Fazell's much more of a uh, of a down low post defender type, and, and 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 that's not the offense that that Waffer was putting out there. So I, I think you'll see Keyshawn provide a little bit of depth, but for the most part, yeah, it's going to be the starting five. It's going to be Tyson Carter. Reggie Perry, and then Robert Woodard's going to get some minutes as well. He had seven points last night on three or four shooting. He had a big dunk, had a big three. He'll be a contributor as well. So it's going to be an eight-man rotation with the two freshmen and Carter off the bench, and then we'll see if Fizell or somebody like maybe like EJ Datcher could, could could provide some minutes down the road. But for the most part, yeah, it's going to be a pretty tight rotation, and I think, I think that's the guys that Howland has faith in. Fair enough. Fair enough. And, yeah, we're on schedule today. What was it, Jerry? No, it wasn't Jerry. It was Barry in Grenada. We're right on schedule. So next, Ted Ginn might be coming back to the Saints. It's a pretty big deal. And we'll get into what that means next and what you can look for with the Saints and the Steelers coming up uh, on Sunday afternoon. The Saints can lock up home field with a W against Pittsburgh on Sunday. Signed, sealed, delivered. No other scenarios. Ted Ginn might be back. The offensive line is still banged up. We'll get into that a little bit. And a lot of your texts are coming in as well. So we'll do that all next at Sports Talk in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Malakalikimaka is a thing to say On a bright Hawaiian Christmas day all right, this can't That's be real. The island greeting that we send to you Sports Talk Mississippi, Michael Borky and Brian Scott Rippey now with you this afternoon. This just came across, and I know I just told all of you that we have a strict plan that we tend to go by pretty religiously, but I, I of course, have Twitter and stuff up during the show, and this just came across my feed, and I... I have a hard time believing it because it it reads like an Onion article. Rippy, here's the headline. ABC 6 in Ohio. Urban Meyer to teach leadership class at Ohio State. (laughs) (laughs) When you said Urban Meyer, I wasn't exactly sure where it was going. I had an idea, and it was definitely not there. Urban Meyer is going to teach a leadership class and, and work in university development is the next chapter for Urban Meyer. Hmm. Great football coach, but... Oh, man. Man. Like, what do you think... Uh, I mean, you, you've got Mike Leach and Urban Meyer teaching college classes. <laughs> well, at least Mike Leach's would be interesting. I mean, I think Urban Meyer seems like a. I mean, that that's just a joke, right? I, yeah, I. He's. I know he lacks self awareness. That seems pretty evident by the way he handled things when you know over the summer and the 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 I don't remember this and and all of that. But come on, like, why would you want to do that at this point? I have no idea. And Corey in Cleveland texts in and says, "Urban, go home." Yeah. It, it, 
that's one of those situations, and I guess you kind of had a similar one at, at Ole Miss where just Hugh Freeze was still just kind of around. If something like that happens, and yes, those are different situations, but if you have a guy that did something that brought negative light on your school, you don't want them around anymore in any capacity. If you're Ohio State and Urban Meyer caused you all of that just stuff, that awful stuff, negative stuff about your university, why on earth are you hiring him or allowing him to teach a class on leadership of all things at your school? If Urban Meyer gives me a C on leadership, I'm really reevaluating what I'm doing with myself. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, so I promised this to Miles. He's a pretty devout listener to the show, and every time he, he tweets at us with questions, they're always really insightful. So, um, And Quinn says that would be like Ed Orgeron teaching English, and Corey says that would be like Hugh Freeze teaching ethics. Ooh. You can go down a slippery slope with that one. Ed Orgeron's phonics class. You know what I would love? Ed Orgeron <laughs> teaching me how to speak Spanish. Or maybe just Cajun. He could uh, teach like a Cajun slang class. Uh, hola. Como estas? <laughs> Muy bien. Oh, man. Anyway, so I did promise, Miles, that we would get uh, to these questions here. It's, it's a Mississippi State-focused, but I think it applies to all of Mississippi. So here's what he said. He said ESPN says State's class is presently 13, and what he finds amazing is that it's five spots better than their previous highest-ranked class ever. And he's not sure if that's an indictment on Dan Mullen's recruiting or an ode to what he helped build. It's a really good question. And he said adding to that, Florida's class is in the 20s, depending on the service you look at, which is about where Dan Mullen lived his entire time at Mississippi State, and that Moorhead is just a few spots behind Penn State. On that note, a couple of things. I don't mean to I'm not kicking it down. I just I don't trust ESPN recruiting as much as I do rivals in 24/7. I think ESPN does not put the resources and the effort like the other two sites do. So I, I would lean more towards their rankings than I would ESPN generally. But still, the point stands. It's a class that is is ranked 13th at least according to one service. I think it applies to all things across the SEC. I'll say this quick, Rippy, and then get your thoughts on it. I think the wild success of the SEC network has elevated every school in the SEC to recruiting heights that they wouldn't have achieved without it. I mean, we are talking today and yesterday about a disappointment in Ole Miss's recruiting class, and as of right now, it's a top 25. Yes, they went 0-5 yesterday, and we will get into that here shortly. It was a very bad day for Ole Miss recruiting, but still, that's how far the SEC has been elevated. I think it's a, an across-the-board thing. One, to Miles's point, Dan Mullen did elevate the program while he was at Mississippi State. He took it from a program that had nothing, I mean nothing, no success, nothing. And now they're a consistent winner, but I think he was also helped with the elevation of the conference thanks to the SEC network. The SEC, the gap between them and everybody else, continues to widen, and a rising tide lifts all boats. It will always, As long as the network continues to be as successful as it is and continue pouring more money into their schools than anybody else, 
everybody's recruiting profile in the league is going to elevate. Everybody, including Vanderbilt. It will continue to be easier and easier to recruit in the SEC. Now, against each other, a different story. But as a league across the board, their dominance in recruiting is only going to continue to separate, in my opinion. So it's a lot of factors. All of them, I think, are almost equal here. You have to give credit for Mullen for building a a solid, stable program. You have to give credit to Joe Moorhead for for having a top-20 recruiting class, depending on what service you look at. But I think you have to give credit to what the SEC has become, and that is a, a college football conglomerate where everybody has now been elevated because of the success of the league. So it's getting easier to recruit to Mississippi State and to Ole Miss than Nebraska, for example. The, the landscape is changing. I agree. All of those are true. And part of the, I mean, isn't part of this how generationally talented this 2019 in-state class was, right? Did Mullen ever recruit to an in-state group of talent as good as this one was? No. So that's probably part of it, right? Yeah, this class, this, but still, and we'll get into this a little bit later as well. I mean, Haydad said state fans generally would give their, their recruiting effort a B. It's a top 25, top 20 class, depending on the service, but they didn't sign a plethora of high-profile recruits. Now, the class could work out, and they could win games, but as far as just what we know now, he thinks the fans would give them a B. Mississippi schools, Ole Miss and Mississippi State, and throw Southern Miss in there as well if you want, didn't sign half of the top 20 players in the state. So the class was really good, but the schools didn't capitalize on it on the top anyway yeah and we can get into why that is later on but the fact is half of the top 20 in the state of Mississippi according to rivals are not playing college football in Mississippi yeah and I'm not I don't know it's I mean it's a lot more nuanced than that I know yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's. I mean, how, what would this have looked like if. And I know we talked yesterday about how it's not a valid excuse anymore to blame Ole Miss's NCAA troubles on it. But I'm just saying from this vantage point, how many players would that be? Like, would that number be any better if the state of Ole Miss's program wasn't in the state it was in? Like, if it was like 2016 or 2015 Ole Miss or whatever, you, whatever year you want to go back to. Like, would that still be the case? Hold that thought. We'll get into that a little bit later. Is that is that fair? Yeah, no, that's hold, fair. Hold I mean, that I... thought. Because I like where you're going with that, and we'll get into that, let's say, the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Um, but for now, I guess to Miles's point, I think that that, and Rippy, you added to it, I think it's just a bunch of stuff all contributing to one elevation of the recruiting profiles of every school in the SEC to me. I would agree with that. We've gotten a a tweet and a text here, a a tweet from Jim and a text from, oh, I lost it. I lost it. Will and Eupora. That said, we should, uh, if we ever have a slow news cycle, we should try to figure out which class each SEC coach would teach. That would be a lot of fun. 
Send us that right now. Text us, 601-879-4395, or you can tweet at us at Sports Talk Miss, 601-879-4395. Text us your SEC coach and what class they would teach after retirement because Urban Meyer apparently is going to teach a leadership course. I'm not kidding. A leadership course at Ohio State. So give me your SEC coach and what class he's going to teach. We'll read some of those next. (laughs) And uh, continue on. It's a Thursday afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky and Brian Scott Rippey with you. Uh, Send us those. 601-879-4395. Back after this. I love when this happens. Unplanned, completely organic, just random topic on an afternoon. If you could pick any college football coach, it doesn't have to be SEC, any college football coach that abruptly retired like Urban Meyer and decided to teach a class, what would they teach? Because news broke a little ah, 15 minutes ago or so that Urban Meyer is apparently going to be teaching a leadership class at Ohio State. So send us, we got a bunch of them so far, send us what you think a college football coach would teach if it came to that. Uh, Jimbo Fisher speed talking was the first one. Uh, Maybe Jim McElwain marine biology? <laughs> yeah, the, the sad part about that is, if you don't know what Rippy is referencing, Jim McElwain was the subject of an internet joke a couple years ago because a man that looked very similar to Jim McElwain, but clearly was not Jim McElwain, was photographed naked laying alongside a shark that he and his buddies caught in the ocean. Big shark. Long, I mean, what, 15-foot shark. Huge shark. And he was laying naked, like cuddling with this shark. The picture went viral because it kind of looked like Jim McElwain. And he did not take that well at all. He was asked about it at media days and got angry. I mean, just really angry. Did not have fun about it at all. And he, he, I was so disappointed. Because if that would have been Brett Bielema, that would have been the best 10 minutes of press conference in the history of sports. But he didn't take that very well. Anyway. Big Mike in Madison says, Orgeron teaching English. There's a Hugh Freeze one that I will probably get fired if I read on the air. Sabin and media relations. That's a good one. Just tell everybody they're stupid and move on. Economics for Nick Sabin. James Franklin, interpretive dance. (laughs) 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 Fashion for Dan Mullen. Nobody loved Dan Mullen's Yeezys more than Dan Mullen. That's for sure. I'm trying to think of some others. When Bobby Knight was at Indiana, Gary and Meridian says he taught a graduate-level war and sports class that had a two-year waiting list. Now, that would be fascinating. Uh, if there are no kids around, there's really funny videos of Bobby Knight uh trying to do a, a golf lesson show where a, a teaching pro is giving him lessons, you can find the outtakes. Just type in Bobby Knight golf outtakes. Don't watch it in front of your children. Of them trying to get through this television special, and he cannot it, just watch it. 
Trust me, just watch it. Um, Bradley Bradley and Marietta says Jimbo Fisher in economics because he knows how to get paid the big bucks. Hail state, go dogs, he says. <laughs> Will and Eupora, Bobby Petrino, motorcycle repairs 101. Butch Jones, self awareness 101. <laughs> Anger management for Saban. Brett Bielema, competitive eating. I don't know if there's a competitive eating class. If so, I went to the wrong college. Hip-hop for Dan Mullen. Coach O, choir. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If he were actually a teacher, that, like, Coach O looks like a PE teacher. He is the most... P.E. teacher, assistant, football coach, looking guy you've ever seen in your life. Yep. And he also, because the high school has a small budget, has to teach or has to coach like the volleyball team as well. And because of Title IX, they only have a girls' volleyball team, and they run like suicides in practice for four hours because he doesn't know the actual sport of volleyball. I mean, they can't play a lick, but they're the best in shape team in the country. <laughs> I could see it. Dan Mullen would have to teach a legal HIPAA privacy law class because he never talks about injuries. You know one thing. Dan Mullen will never violate the HIPAA law. Moorhead could teach a class on like hip-hop and like 90s rap. Isn't he a big 90s rap connoisseur? I'm pretty sure I've read that somewhere. If so, the next time we have him on our show, that's what I want the entire interview to be. That would actually be interesting. Dabo Sweeney, Driver's Ed. (laughs) Controlling Your Emotions by Will Muschamp. (laughs) Mike Leach, Philosophy. Life 101. Wow, Woody Hayes taught military history at Ohio State before the Gator Bowl incident, according to... You don't have a name here, but somebody from the 601... Bobby Knight, anger management. That's really good stuff. A few on the Twitter as well. Uh, Mike Gundy and social media in the digital age. <laughs> There's literally a class at Ole Miss called, uh, that's titled that exact same thing, I'm pretty sure. Pat Dye teaching fashion merchandising. <laughs> Interpersonal relations co-taught by Billy Brewer and Jackie Sherrill, according to Brad. And John was the Pat Dye one. Thank you for that. Les Miles on vegan, or how to be a vegan. Dietary classes. Illegal class by Houston Nutt. Home economics for Joe Moorhead. It was Josh and Laurel that gave us that Woody Hayes nugget. That's the one of the more fascinating men in college football. If you're ever bored and you want to read about somebody, just read about Woody Hayes. He was, he's not remembered fondly because his last game, his last play was punching a Clemson player in the throat. So he's not looked at fondly, but he's one of the greatest coaches to ever live and was the most paranoid college football coach to ever live as well. And you know coaches, Rippy, they are all paranoid, all of them. Woody Hayes was on a different planet, another galaxy, and a different dimension. Just a fascinating guy. Everybody around him was trying to get information on him on his team to beat them. Everybody. He's just a... If you're ever bored, 
read about Woody Hayes. I, I've told this story before on the show. Uh, they were playing at Michigan, and the team meal on the day of the game was being served by all female waitresses. And in the middle of the meal, apparently Woody Hayes looked around, stood up and started screaming at the waitresses, told them to get out, get out, kicked all the waitresses out of the team meal. Because he said that they were all attractive and were plants by Michigan to distract his team before the game. Imagine what that would look like nowadays with like the more, like there's definitely more ways you can spy and sabotage teams. Like we talked about Saban in the apartment complex thing yesterday. Like imagine what that would look like if he were coaching now. He wouldn't. He wouldn't have made it. If he was that paranoid about attractive waitresses, then there's no way in in this age that he would have survived mentally. It would have driven him insane. Probably true. It just. An incredible guy to read about. Sorry for the aside there. I know that's not related to Mississippi, but uh, Will and you pour a social media with Lane Kiffin. Greg and Nettleton. I can't read that on the air, buddy. Come on now. Ethan and Guntown. How to be on time by Lane Kiffin. Mike Gundy on how to be a man. Mike Gundy in cosmetology. Mike Price, direct discretionary finances. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, how to hold a tiger's tail with Coach O. Moorhead has a master's degree in English. He really could teach English, yeah. I would much rather take his 90s rap class, but that's just me. Bruce Pearl on how to lower your blood pressure. Joe Moorhead, teach a class on ancient aliens. You know, all these sound far-fetched, but if you look at, like, a college class directory, not as far off as you think. There are some that are out there. Like, <laughs> this one's just funny. Could you imagine Will Muschamp teaching gender studies? Oh, gosh. <laughs> did you have to take it? Did you take gender studies? I don't think so. I, I don't think that was required of me to graduate. I had to. If I wanted to graduate, you had to take a humanities class to get a journalism degree, as it turns out. And because my advisor and I didn't really speak, he wasn't a big fan of mine, as it turns out. But um, he didn't exactly help me very much in my academic endeavors. And so I was very late in signing up for classes in the spring semester of my senior year. And I had to take a humanities, and none of them were available except for gender studies. I was the only male in the class. I sat in the back. I got called on every single day. Every day. Because it was subjects, and I'm not trying to belittle them, but it was stuff like uh, women empowerment and, and stuff like that. And she would always call on me because... Let's see what the man says about this. Michael, in the back, tell us what you think. Every day. Take it that was not a test bank class. No, it was not a test bank class. It was all writing and subjective. She gave me a C, which I was happy with. But <laughs> Back to sports next at Sports Talk in the Renaissance Bank Studio. just said welcome to the weekend, which would have been just a day premature. Getting ahead of myself, but Christmas, man, it's only five days away. Good Thursday afternoon. It's great to be with you. 
Sports Talk Mississippi, Michael Borky, Brian Scott Rippey with you this afternoon and tomorrow afternoon as well as everybody's getting geared up and ready for Christmas. Make sure you get your last minute shopping in. Uh, I finished mine a little bit earlier today. Got my wife everything that I needed to get her and we're all set and ready to go. So hope you uh, find a way to do the same. I think if you order online, you can probably get it in time for Christmas. Uh, so hustle up if you have yet to do your shopping. It snuck up on me. I'm, I'm sure it snuck up on a lot of you as well. Just five days away until Christmas, but we are glad to be with you. If you're just joining us, I'll go through this quickly because we want to get on to some more important things, but uh, we got a text from Sid who made me think that, you know, maybe we should do something about the NBA, and, and because of that, we've gotten some support. Luke and Flowood said a lot more people care about the NBA. He wishes we would cover them more. We're a sports show. It's basketball season, he says. I'm not saying do a whole hour of it, but a couple times a week there should be some NBA coverage, and Luke... We will do that more, I promise you that. Will and Eupora suggest a locally-based NBA podcast, and maybe we'll do just that. And Doug and Laurel says he loves the Grizzlies, he lives in Oxford, and, uh, wait. Your name is saved in our system as Doug from Laurel, but you say Doug from Oxford. Maybe you moved recently, but either way, he says he loves the Grizzlies and wants us to cover them. So, maybe that's something we'll do in the future. Uh, but glad that, that you are uh, texting us and letting us know your thoughts. And we'll do something more NBA. I don't know what it will be, but I, I promise you that because it's something I've always wanted to do, and I, I just didn't think there was an audience for it. But if you're asking for it, we're going to give it to you. And uh, glad you're a part of the show this afternoon. And just be on the lookout for that. I, I'm going to come up with something because I always want to do more. And if you're asking for it, I'll give it to you. Anyway, on to the... We'll call it less fun stuff, but stuff that we've got to cover. If you missed the first hour, Brian Haydad was was with us, and we did a full recap reaction to Mississippi State's recruiting class as well as a reaction to their basketball win, a sneaky good win over Walford last night. If you missed that, you can find it on demand or on our podcast on iTunes and, and Google Play and Stitcher and all of that good stuff. We're going to turn the page to Ole Miss now because – Depending on what service you look at, the, the one I look at the most is Rivals, for whatever that's worth to you, they have a top 25 class. However, most of the fans are pretty fired up in a bad way about how signing day went down for that team. They struck out, basically, on every decision that was either up in the air or in doubt yesterday. They went a big, fat offer on signing day. A bunch of kids especially in their backyard. A couple in Horn Lake, which is not far from Oxford, and one that's going to Alabama, literally from Oxford. It's a rough day for Ole Miss fans. They're not happy. A lot of angst going on, and yesterday, I think only added to it. It, it didn't cause it. It added to it. So, Rippy, I, I don't even know where to begin, so let's just start here. I don't know about you. I didn't really expect them to sign Nicobe Dean and others. I, I really didn't. And I have a feeling most fans didn't expect that either. So why is there so much angst? Well, I and I granted I I I should disclaimer here. I I don't I am not as connected nearly as connected in recruiting as some of these other guys that cover it full time and 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 they're good at what they do. And you know there was they, they kind of 
push the idea, and I'm not saying it's inaccurate. It, they push the idea that they, Ole Miss had kind of made up some ground with Dean and made up some ground with Turnage, and it actually sounds as if they were kind of torn until, um, you know, a pretty short while until they signed. Um, and you know, it is unfortunate for Ole Miss they didn't get either one of them. So I think it's partly that is that it was kind of for a from a fan's perspective it got their hopes up, and just the second part of, you know, Ole Miss was in a position to where they. They came out of this NCAA cloud without, when we talked about it before, without, you know, totally being destroyed, right? Like they survived it. They didn't sink. And you have a generationally talented in state class, and it all lined up to be this could be the momentum springboard that kind of gets the program back on track. And whether it was realistic or not that they were going to sign these kids, they didn't close well on the elite talent in the state. And that, to me, it's not this anger is not just about this in the vacuum. It's all the things that have led up to it, and some of the things Ole Miss people have had to endure. And so, like, and I wrote this yesterday too. It, you know, some people calling it a disaster, and I think that's a little far fetched because it is a top twenty-five class. It's not a disaster, but it was underwhelming. I think that's more of a fair way to describe it. Yeah, because um, it, it felt like there was an opportunity there for them to really use this as a momentum and kind of get things back on track, and. In a lot of ways, they did it. And so, like I said, I think most of the anger is a combination of that and then stems from other things, which, you know, whether it's justified or not is an entirely different conversation. But I think that is my best assessment of why that is the case. Yeah. And the reality of the situation is uh, we mentioned it earlier today that the SEC has 11 of the top 24 classes in the country, according to rivals. The SEC has all of the top four classes in the country. The SEC signed 14 five-stars, which is more than the other four Power Five leagues combined. That's the issue. In a vacuum, a top 25 signing class is good. It's sellable. It's something to get excited about. That means you have top-tier talent in college football if you were in any other league besides the SEC. The number 24 class in the country is good for dead last in the SEC West. So you can look at it through a certain lens. And I I said earlier, somebody sent me an email this morning telling me to have perspective because a top 25 class is good. And if Ole Miss was in the Pac-12, that's a great class and one to be celebrated. But but we're tearing it down and, and he didn't understand. Because you can't compete in the SEC without signing the elite players within your own state. You can't do it. It's not possible. They can't do it. So, yes, I, I promise you there are guys in this class that are underranked, under recruited, that are going to be very, very, very good college football players. If you look at last year's class, they did some excellent evaluation on some under recruited kids. That's probably going to be the same here. But if you continue signing classes like this, you cannot compete in the SEC. And whatever the circumstances may be, just a handful of years ago, they were doing just that. That's part of it, too, right? Where it became the norm to where Ole Miss is getting these kids that are you know announcing on national television on ESPNU in the morning or the afternoon or whenever it may be. And then now you've had this string of a bunch in a row where 
It's 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 high profile recruitments too, right? It's the Cam Acres where people are tuning in to watch the decision and things like that that they're consistently losing out on, and it breeds frustration. And it's funny, you and Donald uh, Mines were thinking alike. He he texted what you said earlier and said thank you. It's um, it's kind of funny how you guys had the same thought there. But but that's the point. And Richard and Wiggins agrees with the fact that top twenty five doesn't cut it anymore in the SEC, and he's right. I think a, a bigger issue is. The fans were sold on, and it's not fair because it's not why it happened, but the fans were sold on this recruiting class, and this is why you promoted the interim, and it's because of this recruiting class, and it's the best class in the state, and you've got all these connections, and and the 2019 recruiting class is going to fix everything. That's what they were sold on. It's not fair, but that's that's what was sold. And 10 of the top 20 players in the state of Mississippi are not going to either Ole Miss or Mississippi State. Ole Miss's best signee is going to play professional baseball. It's not sustainable at this level. It's just not. And I know I, Matt Luke knows that. I, I know he does. He can't say it in his press conference. And I saw people get upset with what he said in his press conference, which is just ridiculous. He loves every kid he signed yesterday, I promise. He knows it's got to be better, but the, the knowledge doesn't go anywhere unless you execute on that knowledge. Yeah, and part of it is Ole Miss didn't specifically say this when they hired Matt Luke, but they went with the whole he understands Mississippi and understands how Mississippi kids think, and so it was kind of insinuated that this they, he was hired partly because of this, not hired because of it, but one of his biggest, I guess, strengths was that he could kind of help reel in this class, and that, of course, did not happen, yeah. right? Yeah, it did. So we'll continue on this. Uh, Tim and McGee sends me uh, sends us an interesting text. We'll get into that. More on this and what Ole Miss can do to try to win the fan base back because the approval rating, so to speak, is extremely low. So... More reaction, more analysis. Your text, 601-879-4395. If you want to be a part of the show, you can do so that way. All that's coming up next. Sports Talk in the Renaissance Bank studio. And when you walk down the street, say a few texts here as we continue on on Sports Talk. Michael Borky, Brian Scott Rippey with you. A lot of reaction to Ole Miss's signing class yesterday, and from the Ole Miss fan base, it was a lot of negative reaction, and understandably so, I think, because they witnessed a bunch of guys that are close to Oxford go somewhere else, and it's hard to stomach, especially when you're trying to get back to the level where you were just a few years ago, which was competing in the SEC West. I I get it. Uh, Tim and McGee says uh, he thinks that uh, Ole Miss would have gotten one of those uh, big-name players if they had a big-name coach, but um, that's just its really not the case, and I don't think they would have been able to hire a big-name coach to begin with. I, I, I don't know if that's the, the angle you look at here. I don't know, Rippy. What do you think about that? I, I need to sit on that for a second. I don't I don't know if the outcome is I, I don't know. I don't know if it's different. I, I tend to lean no just be based on who they would have hired instead 
and how that would have been handled. So I'm not really sure what to make of that either. I don't think that's the case. Yeah, Donald in Oxford says the boosters didn't show up yesterday. Don't blame Matt Luke and, and Ole Miss. And, okay, every, not every, most high-profile recruits or their families get something during recruitment. I don't know specifics at all about any Mississippi kid this year's recruitment. I, I don't know. But because it is so widespread, it happens everywhere. If you are listening to this and you are a fan of a Power 5 college football program, your program gives additional benefits of some kind, whether it be a house or a car or money or something, to its recruits and football players. Every single one does it. Because that is the case, it's hard to just say, well, I don't know if this is true or not, well, Georgia paid more. Maybe that's the case, maybe it's not. But since that's how the game is played, you still lost the game. So it's either you have to play the game better or just accept the fact that you're going to lose that game unless you match or do better than what your opponent's doing. I don't know about this case. I, I honestly don't know. But you can't use they paid him as an excuse because that's how the game is won. If you want to win in the SEC, you've got to pay. You've got to. Of course, the coaches don't. You understand. You can't use that as an excuse because it's so rampant and so widespread and that's how the game is played, so that can't be your reason why you lose. Your school does not pay kids, though. <laughs> yes, your rival, though, your rival, that first of all, the players they sign, bunch of troublemakers, all of them, and they accepted a ton of money, like a lot. But my school? No, sir. High-quality kids. Respect the institution of amateurism. We could do a segment one day on signing favorite like signing day takes and reactions. Like we didn't want the kid anyway. Heard he's a great risk. Yeah, and, and Tucker and Tim both text similar things and that and this is a factor that a, a lot of people won't talk about because I don't I don't think they can necessarily, but Tucker and Brookhaven says Ole Miss uh, had better players or recruited better players several years ago, but the way they got them, they were caught and were penalized. And Tim and Enterprise says Ole Miss can't play the game right now. They certainly can't get caught playing the game right now, and they've got to be careful. More careful than Georgia does. I promise you that. The NCAA is not coming after Georgia. They're not, it's not going to happen. No matter how obvious it may be to some, it's not going to happen. Is that fair? No, but that's just how it is. And that's that had to have been... A, that, that If it wasn't on this signing day, and again, I don't know for sure, so I'm not going to say for sure, it will be a factor in the near future in recruiting for Ole Miss. It's something they have to fight against for a little bit longer. They cannot get caught again. Because if you think it's rock bottom now, let them get caught... In, in NCAA trouble again. So they have to be more careful. That's a really good point from both of you. Yeah, I mean, they, they, that's certainly true, but it, what's it, it, I don't know. The way that it came about last time was so interesting, though, because right, they were already there, and then you have this 
kind of brazen coach that comes in and starts landing everybody all at once while the NCAA is already on campus for other reasons, and then it just turns obviously very far south from there. Yeah, and there is a lot of hindsight is 2020, but I think a lot of people would like to go back and do things differently. I think it'll miss and, and maybe delete a Twitter account or two. Um, but that's just a hunch. So what do they do from here? If you're Ole Miss, if you're Matt Luke, you've still got, I mean, you've got a season coming up. You did sign a class, and there are going to be pieces in that class that are going to be very good college football players. They are. He was proud of that class yesterday in his press conference, and there's a reason, because they signed a bunch of kids that are going to be good college football players, but... I think you'd be lying if you said the he he has completely and it, I don't think it's fair, but he's the fan base is is not engaged right now. So what can they do to get them back? Because no matter who the offensive coordinator hire is, that that won't be it. It may help a little, but it won't be it. Even if even if he's a great coordinator and he went and he's going to win, if you're talking about getting your fan base back, that hire is not going to do it. Win games, get to a bowl, and then not only win games, you got to beat a couple people you're not supposed to beat. Just to kind of get like breathe, like just kind of breathe some excitement into the place, right? I mean, yeah. And then we get a text like this, and I don't mean to be to be rude, but it says if you want to get the Ole Miss fan base back, bring back Colonel Reb. I promise you, oh, I pro- I promise you, if you came up to any rational Ole Miss fan and said your mascot is going to be a guy in a pink tutu fluttering around the sidelines with a ribbon, but you win a national championship, which one would they take? They take the guy prancing around the sidelines in a tutu and winning games on the field. The mascot is not affecting the Ole Miss fan base disengagement whatsoever. It is zero factor, zero percent factor into this. None yeah, I don't think season tickets are going to spike based on who's dressed as what on the sideline. <laughs> <laughs> not even a little. Not not even a little. It changes nothing. And the people that say, I used to buy season tickets, but when they took the fuzzy mascot off the field, I don't anymore. They're liars. Yeah, I mean, that's... That has no, that's nothing to not, do with it. If, if they're telling the truth, then... That uh, I don't know. There's a whole other set of issues there. Yeah. But anyway, so it's as simple as finding a way to get back to a bowl game and, and looking competitive against the better teams in the league. That They're going to worry about other things, and season ticket sales are probably not going to be very good. That's all, that's all they need to do, and it's frustrating, and I, ha- I have a feeling that uh, – Matt Luke is going to work very hard. He's, he's a hardworking guy, and, and I know people hate hearing this, but he does love the school he coaches for. It's a dream job for him. That's the only path out of this, though. Because you couldn't do it in recruiting. At least from a fan base engagement standpoint. We'll see if the class is any good or not when they when they actually play on the field. Well, that's the path that closed now, right? Like, there was a couple ways to do it. And one, they're kind of the same path in some ways. Get better players and win games and you didn't do the former, so that's kind of closed up. And so now you just kind of got to win with what you got. 
We get a text that says, I'll dance around in the pink tutu for a national championship. <laughs> Fair enough. If you want to get, like, butts in the seats, you could have the mascots fight. I've been an advocate of that for a while. Can you imagine the shark and somebody, like, wrestling at halftime? I, I, I can't believe we're still talking about this. Uh, we get a text from D.W. Madison that says, The circumstances that ousted the mascot is one of many that have made the, the fan base mad. That was 15 years ago. Ole Miss sold more season tickets over a decade after they got rid of him than any other time in school history. The mascots are not the problem here. Also, mascots are for kids. Uh, that's, that's not a, a common thought, is it? No clue. I got nothing. Maybe I'm in some kind of a bubble, because I didn't think that people were still thinking about that. Text us if you'd like, 601-879-4395. A lot of reaction coming in, so we'll we'll get to that next. at Sports Talk in the Renaissance Bank studio. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.